Section 23 of Life of John Churchill, Duke of Marlborough by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11 A Year of Disappointment, Part 2. The failure of this expedition from which Marlborough and the English government had hoped so much was a bitter disappointment. It showed clearly the difficulty of getting the different members of the alliance to work cordially together, as the court of Vienna and the Duke of Savoy had no other objects in view but their own advantage. Prince Eugène in anger declared his intention of never serving again with the Duke of Savoy. Meanwhile, the Austrian expedition into Naples had been entirely successful. The Neapolitans received them with joy and gladly renounced their allegiance to Philip V. Italy was thus entirely lost to the Bourbons. But this was not really a misfortune to Louis XIV. Having no longer to keep an army in Italy, he was able to reinforce his armies in other places and save some expense. Marlborough hoped to signalize the campaign of 1707 by some important victory in the Netherlands, but Vendôme, the French general who opposed him, received strict orders not to risk a battle. Marlborough changed his camp several times and did his utmost to force the French to fight, but in vain. The summer, too, was very wet, and the heavy rains impeded the movements of the troops, whilst the Dutch deputies, frightened by the defeat at Almanza, were more obstructive than ever. The whole campaign brought nothing but disappointment, whilst party struggles at home and the difficulty of managing the affairs of the Allies made Marlborough long for rest. Lord Peterborough, who had been recalled from his command in Spain, had been spending his time in travelling all over Europe, from one court to another, discussing public affairs and making proposals for which he had no authority. He at last reached Marlborough's camp at Soigny in August, and disturbed him much by a ceaseless flow of talk about his grievances. He writes to the Duchess, The ill weather hinders me from going abroad, so that Lord Peterborough has the opportunity of very long conversations. What is said one day the next destroys, so that I have asked him to put his thoughts in writing. Peterborough at last went on to England to demand justification for the indignity which had been offered him in his recall from Spain. As the season went on, Marlborough saw that nothing could be done that year. All that now remained was to prepare for the next campaign. Meanwhile, the Dutch were growing weary of the war. Upon them, and upon England, all the expense fell, and they began to speak of peace. In England, too, there was an increasing party that clamoured against the war, and accused Marlborough of continuing it for his own advantage. In reality, no one longed for peace more ardently than he did, as can be seen continually in his private letters to his wife. But he wished it to be a sure peace, and he believed that the time for that had not yet come. He was thoroughly worn out. I have no heart or spirits left, he writes in October, and even then he might not return to rest in England, but had to travel off to Frankfurt to arrange the plan of the next campaign with the elector of Hanover and Count Ratislaus, the Austrian minister. He hoped to arrange that Prince Eugène 
should command in spain and was so much vexed at the difficulties thrown in the way of his scheme that he wrote to godolphin saying that he was inclined if this did not succeed to throw up his command altogether for he adds if things go on as i think they will both in england and holland nothing shall prevail with me to lose that reputation i have hazarded for this war but the emperor would not hear of sending prince eugene so far off and wished to employ him in germany no definite plans for the next campaign could be made at frankfort or at the hague whither count ratislaus followed marlborough marlborough was not able to go back to england till the beginning of november seventeen o seven he found party struggles raging bitterly and great discontent with the course of the war a new misfortune had spread general mourning over england as the english fleet was returning from toulon under the command of sir cloudsley shovel it was overtaken by a storm off the scilly isles the admiral's ship struck the gilston rock and sank with all on board two other great ships which followed also struck the rock and sank of the crews of these three ships only one man escaped sir cloudsley shovel had begun life as a cabin boy and had risen entirely by his own merits to be one of the first naval commanders of his day when he was drowned at the age of fifty-seven we have already seen how the attitude of the tories with regard to the war compelled marlborough and godolphin at this time to make common cause with the whigs and give up all hope of governing without the aid of party the government was still further strengthened by events which occurred in the beginning of seventeen o eight louis the fourteenth who never lost sight of anything which might weaken the allies and who had watched the growing discontent of the tories thought that the time had come for striking a blow in favour of james edward the pretender son of james the second he knew that there was much discontent in scotland and tried to foment it by his agents whose reports led him to believe that the greater part of the scottish nation would rise in arms in favour of james edward five men-of-war were fitted out at dunkirk to take james edward over to scotland he was then barely twenty years old but an able french officer was sent with him to direct the expedition abundance of gold and silver plate gay liveries and all the finery necessary for a splendid court was given him by his royal patron everything had been kept profoundly secret but at the last moment the pretender fell ill of the measles and the expedition could not start till he had recovered the delay gave the english who heard of their danger from holland time to prepare to meet it fortunately marlborough was still in england and he at once made preparations for getting over troops from holland the houses of parliament put aside all considerations of party and voted addresses to the queen displaying the most zealous loyalty many jacobites were arrested and the whole attitude of the country showed that for the time at least the pretender had little reason to hope for support in england an english fleet was sent to watch the movements of the french expedition which was awaiting at dunkirk the favourable moment to sail for scotland but a gale having driven the english from their station the french were able to start they reached the firth of forth in safety but saw no signs of the preparations which their scottish friends had promised to make to meet them and they were soon terrified by the appearance of the english fleet in their pursuit 
it was hopeless to think of landing in the face of an enemy who largely outnumbered them and they determined to sail round the north of scotland to inverness where the highland clans were supposed to be strongly in favour of the cause of the stuarts but contrary winds drove them out to sea and they were battered about helplessly for a month when they managed to get back to dunkirk the expedition had proved a disastrous failure it had done nothing but increase the hatred of the english people to louis the fourteenth and deepen their confidence in marlborough and godolphin louis the fourteenth was much disappointed he had hoped to weaken his enemies for the next campaign but was obliged to prepare to meet them with unbroken front End of section twenty three